Good afternoon. It is hump day, Wednesday, March 16th, 2022. And this is episode number 16 of our coverage of the Ukraine war. You can track all of our podcasts going back to the beginning of the war on February 23rd, 24th of this year. Our podcast today focuses on I have a need speech. President Zelensky addressed the United States Congress virtually today, giving an impassioned request for assistance from the United States and from President Biden. And the audio that we are going to be playing comes from NBC and their coverage. And then President Biden delivered some short remarks and some follow-up news on assistance um, after that. That was in the early afternoon. And those comments will be playing courtesy of ABC. Earlier today, according to Steve Luckner in the lunchtime, Russian planes struck a theater, a uh, drama theater in Mariupol. Reportedly that this theater was in a park and residents were taking shelter and a Russian plane came and bombed it, killing a number of ordinary civilians in this what sounds like a uh, theater that's been there for a very, very long time in Ukraine. So this this drama theater um, had a lot of casualties in Mariupol. Troops continue to head for and uh, and are in the uh, outskirt lying areas of Kiev, and it is nonstop shelling and missile attacks as well. So we're going to put both of the speeches on. President Zelensky's speech this morning, President Biden's speech this afternoon, and uh, this will substitute for our regular news to go afternoon show. Please continue to lift up Ukraine in prayer. Also, on a side note in this podcast, uh, just north of the nuclear power plant Fukushima in Japan, there was this afternoon at the lunchtime reportedly a 7.3 magnitude quake that struck in that area of Japan um, today. So please keep the folks in Japan in prayer. And if we get any news on that, we will share it. Any news on tsunamis, we'll share it as well. So let's go on to President Zelensky and followed by President Biden. This is News Source 1 Michiana's continuing updates on the war in Ukraine. For almost two weeks now, no food, no basic medical supplies, um, no electricity, no heat. And in almost every one of President Zelensky's messages to his people, he speaks about Mariupol and the need to get humanitarian supplies into that city. Now, in the last two days, some very relative good news, and I hear clapping right now, some very relative good news. 20,000 people have escaped from that. All right, Molly, apologies for interrupt. Here's an NBC News special report. This is an NBC News special report. Here's Lester Holt. Good morning, everyone. We're coming on the air just ahead of Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky's historic virtual address to Congress. The remarks will happen in what's called the Congressional Auditorium in the Capitol Visitor Center. And it comes as the Ukrainian leader pleads for more American help. There is the uh, members of Congress now applauding uh, the Ukrainian president. Let's listen in. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. President. Good morning, Madam Ambassador, who is with us this morning. Madam Ambassador. (laughs) Ambassador Makarova. Mr. President, it is my honor to present to you the Congress of the United States, which has great respect and admiration and appreciation for your courageous leadership. Members of Congress, I have the high privilege and distinct honor of presenting to you the President of Ukraine, Vladimir Zelensky. Slava Ukraina! Slava Ukraina! (laughs) 
My colleagues, Slava Ukraina. Slava Ukraina. Glory to heroes. Thank you very much. Madam Speaker, members of the Congress, ladies and gentlemen, Americans, friends, I am proud to greet you from Ukraine, from our capital city of Kyiv, a city that is under missile and airstrike from Russian troops every day. But it doesn't give up. And we have not even thought about it for a second. Just like many other cities and communities in our beautiful country, which found themselves in the worst war since World War II. I have the honor to greet you on behalf of the Ukrainian people, brave and freedom-loving people who for eight years have been resisting the Russian aggression. Those who give their best sons and daughters to stop this full-scale Russian invasion. Right now, the destiny of our country is being decided. The destiny of our people, whether Ukrainians will be free, whether they will be able to preserve their democracy. Russia has attacked not just us, not just our land, not just our cities. It went on a brutal offensive against our values, basic human values. It threw tanks and planes against our freedom, against our right to live freely in our own country, choosing our own future against our desire for happiness, against our national dreams, just like the same dreams you have, you Americans, just like anyone else in the United States. I remember your national memorial in Rushmore, the faces of your prominent presidents, those who laid the foundation of the United States of America as it is today, democracy, independence, freedom, and care for everyone, for every person, for everyone who works diligently, who lives honestly, who respects the law. We in Ukraine want the same for our people. All that is normal part of your own life. Ladies and gentlemen, friends, Americans, in your great history, you have pages that would allow you to understand Ukrainians, understand us now, when you need it right now, when we need you right now. Remember Pearl Harbor, terrible morning of December 7, 1941, when your sky was black from the planes attacking you. Just remember it. Remember September the 11th, a terrible day in 20, 2001, when evil tried to turn your cities, independent territories, in battlefields, when innocent people were attacked, attacked from air. Yes. Just like no one else expected it, you could not stop it. Our country experiences the same every day. Right now, at this moment, every night, for three weeks now, various Ukrainian cities, Odessa and Kharkiv, Chernihiv and Sumy, Zhytomyr and Lviv, Mariupol and Dnipro, Russia has turned the Ukrainian sky into a source of death for thousands of people. Russian troops have already fired nearly 1,000 missiles at Ukraine, countless bombs. They use drones to kill us with precision. This is a terror that Europe has not seen, has not seen for 80 years, and we are asking for a reply, for an answer uh, to this uh, terror from the whole world. Is this a lot to ask for to create a no-fly zone, zone over Ukraine? 
to save people. Is this too much to ask? Humanitarian no-fly zone, something that Ukraine, that Russia would not be able to terrorize our free cities. If this is too much to ask, we offer an alternative. You know what kind of defense systems we need, S-300 and other similar systems. You know how much depends on the battlefield, on the ability to use aircraft, powerful, strong air uh, aviation to protect our people, our freedom, our land, aircraft that can help Ukraine, help Europe. And you know that they exist and you have them, but they are on earth, not in Ukraine, in the Ukrainian sky. They do not defend our people. I have a dream. These words are known to each of you today. I can say I have a need. I need to protect uh, our sky. I need your decision, your help, which means exactly the same, the same you feel when you hear the words, I have a dream. Ladies and gentlemen, friends, Ukraine is grateful to the United States for its overwhelming support for everything that your government and your people have done for us, for weapons and ammunition, for training, for finances, for leadership in the free world, which helps us to pressure the aggressor economically. I'm grateful to President Biden for his personal involvement, for his sincere commitment to the defense of Ukraine and democracy all over the world. I am grateful to you for the resolution which recognizes all those who commit crimes against Ukraine, against the Ukrainian people as war criminals. However, now it is true in the darkest time for our country, for the whole Europe, I call on you to do more. New packages of sanctions are needed constantly, every week until the Russian military machine stops. Restrictions are needed for everyone on whom this unjust regime is based. We propose that the United States sanctions all politicians in the Russian Federation who remain in their offices and do not uh, uh, cut ties with those who are responsible for the aggression against Ukraine. From state Duma's members to the last official who has lack of morale to break the state terror. All Americans company must leave Russia from their market, leave their market immediately because it is flooded with our blood. Ladies and gentlemen, members of Congress, please take the lead. If you have companies in your districts who um, finance the Russian military machine leaving business in Russia, you should put pressure. I'm asking to make sure that the Russians do not receive a single penny that they use to destroy people in Ukraine. The destruction of our country, the destruction of Europe. All American ports should be closed for uh, Russian goods. We um, Peace is more important than income, and we have to defend this principle in the whole world. We already became part of the anti-war coalition, a big anti-war coalition that unites many countries, dozens of countries, those who reacted to, in principle, to President Putin's decision to invade our country. But we need to move on and do more. We need to create new tools to respond quickly and stop the war, the full-scale Russian invasion of Ukraine, which began on February 24th. And it would be fair if it ended in a day, in 24 hours, that evil would be punished immediately. Today, the world does not have such tools. The war of the past have prompted our predecessors to create institutions that should protect us from war. But 
they unfortunately don't work. We see it, you see it, so we need new ones, new institutions, new alliances, and we offer them. We propose to create an association, you 24 United for Peace, a union of responsible countries that have the strength and cons consciousness to stop conflicts immediately, provide all the necessary assistance in 24 hours, if necessary, even weapons, if necessary, sanctions, humanitarian support, political support, finances, everything you need to keep the peace and quickly save the world, to save lives. In addition, such association, such union could provide assistance to those who are experiencing natural disasters, man-made disasters, who fell victims to humanitarian crisis or epidemics. Remember how difficult it was for the world to do the simplest thing, just to give vaccines, vaccines against COVID to save lives, to prevent new strains. The world spent months, years doing things like that much faster to make sure there are no human losses, no victims. Ladies and gentlemen, Americans, if such alliance would exist today, that is U24, we would be able to save thousands of lives in our country, in many countries of the world, those who need peace, those who suffer inhumane destruction. I ask you to watch one video, video of what the Russian troops did in our country, in our land. We have to stop it. We must prevent it, preventively destroy every single aggressor who seeks to subjugate other nations. Please watch the video. All right, uh, this video we have not seen. Uh, we're going to allow to, uh, everyone to see it for the time being, but we are going to use our editorial judgment. We suspect it will be quite graphic. Again, this is a video provided by the Ukrainians, uh, Ukrainians uh, that they wanted the uh, U.S. Congress to see, so let's watch. And to sum it up, today, today it's not enough to be the leader of the nation. Today it takes to be the leader of the world. Being the leader of the world means to be the leader of peace. Peace 
in your country doesn't depend anymore only on you and your people. It depends on those next to you, on those who are strong. Strong doesn't mean weak. Strong is brave and ready to fight for the life of his citizens and citizens of the world, for human rights, for freedom, for the right to live decently and to die when your time comes and not when it's wanted by someone else, by your neighbor. Today, the Ukrainian people are defending not only Ukraine, we are fighting for the values of Europe and the world, sacrificing our lives in the name of the future. That's why today the American people are helping not just Ukraine, but Europe and the world to keep the planet alive, to keep justice in history. Now I'm almost 45 years old. Today my age stopped when the hearts of more than 100 children stopped beating. I see no sense in life if it cannot stop the death. And this is my main mission as the leader of my people, great Ukrainians. And as the leader of my nation, I am addressing the President Biden. You are the leader of the nation, of your great nation. I wish you to be the leader of the world. Being the leader of the world means to be the leader of peace. Thank you. Slava Ukraine. Glory to Ukraine. President Zelensky uh, concluding his remarks to this uh, gathering of members of Congress. Uh, this follows his speech yesterday before the Canadian Parliament once again making the plea for a no-fly zone over his country, something the U.S. Has, has resisted, noting that there is an alternative. The alternative, in his view, is providing more aircraft, the, the fighters, uh, the, the Polish fighters um, that he has uh, keenly been uh, requesting that again has been rejected by the U.S., at least the U.S. not wanting to be an intermediary in the transfer of, of those aircraft. He uh, made several references to American history, uh, uh, Pearl Harbor, 9-11, uh, uh, even quoting Martin Luther King and showing that videotape. And we, we noted that it was a tape that we had not seen before. Many of the images, sadly, we have seen before, but a very emotional and powerful uh, a montage of video that he presented before switching his remarks into English with a plea to President Biden. He says, I wish you to be the leader of the world, and that means being the leader of peace. Let me go right now to NBC News senior Capitol Hill correspondent Garrett Hake. Garrett, we're going to hear from the president in just a few hours, essentially responding to this speech. What more can you tell us? Well, and I expect he'll be forced to respond to some of the specific asks here by President Zelensky in no-fly zone, which is the White House has taken off the table. As you pointed out, the White House has been cool to the idea of being involved in the transfer of Polish fighter jets to Ukrainian fighters. But uh, Zelensky also asked for air defense systems, S-300s. Those are mobile air defense systems uh, that might be useful and could potentially be a piece of equipment the U.S. government could provide. He also talked about sanctions, sanctioning every Russian lawmaker and 
involved in the Duma, the Russian parliament, and continuing to roll out new sanctions every week until this conflict is over. Those are steps that could theoretically be taken and may the, the White House may feel additional pressure from members of Congress after this speech. I'm told by our colleagues in the room that uh, you could hear a pin drop during that video that several lawmakers were wiping away tears. Lawmakers have really been supportive of Zelensky and of the Ukrainian people for the duration of this. I expect that feeling will be only hardened coming out of this speech today, Lester. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is rare these days that we see Congress together on one issue and standing shoulder to shoulder. But there are divisions, are there not, in Congress about how far the U.S. should and, and will go in terms of uh, supporting these requests? On the issue of the no-fly zone, certainly, there have been some members who proposed uh, putting something like that in place, trying to set up even a limited no-fly zone. The administration and many Democrats have pushed back on that, saying that's a trigger that gets you into World War III. But there has been almost unanimous support for arming the Ukrainian uh, military as it still exists, to try to get those anti-aircraft weapons, anti-tank weapons into the country, and to try to find creative ways to put diplomatic economic pressure on on the, on the Russian government. I and mean, you said it, Lester, it is rare to see the kind of unanimity that we see from this Congress around trying to find some kind of solution, some kind of way to affect this conflict that doesn't involve sending American troops there. All right, Garrett, thank you. Let me bring in NBC News Chief White House Correspondent Peter Alexander. Peter, as we noted, the president will make remarks later. Do we know some of the specifics of what he is going to announce in terms of additional aid to Ukraine? Yeah, we do expect to hear from President Biden just shy of noon Eastern time today, just a couple of hours from now, where we are told by uh, officials familiar with his remarks that he will announce $800 million in additional security aid to be delivered to Ukraine. That would mean $1 billion of U.S. security aid going to Ukraine in just the last week, having been announced $2 billion in total since the president took office, which is far more than any other country right now. But the president certainly is facing Facing pressure, as you heard Garrett say, and from President Zelensky himself, this sort of heroic comedian turned commander in chief, delivering a message to the leader of the free world, to Joe Biden, saying that being that leader means being a leader for peace, saying the destiny of his country is being decided right now. And the U.S., the White House specifically, has indicated that they believe what they have done so far, those military equipment, the pieces of military equipment, they will be restocking, that they have been effective for the Ukrainian soldiers, for the Ukrainian forces to this point. They include things called stingers and javelins, effectively anti-tank and anti-aircraft missiles. But what was significant in what we heard from Volodymyr Zelensky here is what he wants the U.S. to do to go further and acknowledging that if there needs to be an alternative to a uh, no-fly zone, given the criticism or the concerns among some on Capitol Hill and certainly the opposition to that among members of the administration, that he would support handing over those fighter jets or those long range, those mobile long range air defense systems called the S-300s or others of that kind. And they're uh, important because they can help target those cruise missiles, which Vladimir Zelensky says have now hit his country uh, in a number that totals about a thousand so far. So it is likely we will hear the president go a bit further. We are hearing that the president is likely to offer some of what Zelensky is asking, but still a line has to this point been drawn about handing over those uh, those aircraft. The concern being that in the words of the president, that would spark World War III, Lester. All right, uh, Peter, thank you. Joining us now from the Ukrainian capital city of Kyiv is NBC News chief foreign correspondent Richard Engel. Richard, I know there has been a 35-hour uh, uh, moratorium, I'm, I'm sorry, not a moratorium, a uh, uh, curfew in, in place there. Can you tell us what you're seeing uh, during this period? So there is an easy, uneasy quiet, an eerie quiet here in Kyiv. Uh, there are no streets, uh, no people in the streets, no vehicles in the streets. Uh, people have been told to stay in their houses. Uh, this began last night uh, as darkness set in. It's lasting throughout the day today until tomorrow morning. Uh, people have been told to only go outside if they are heading to a bomb shelter. And this is after, for the last several days, Kyiv has come under attack, apparently random attack. 
attacks with Russian troops who are uh, still on the outskirts of this city, firing primarily at apartment buildings, uh, hitting another apartment building this uh, this morning, a 12-story building, uh, injuring dozens of people, but also firing into the city center, uh, destroying the upper part of a subway station. And it is not just Kiev. Uh, Mariupol is, is under attack again. And according to Zelensky's own office, Russian forces have taken over a hospital and are holding between four and five hundred people, including patients and staff hostage, holding them as human shields while Russian troops in that building uh, are firing out into the city. Uh, NBC News has not been able to independently verify that, but it has been uh, claimed by numerous local Ukrainian officials. And, and I think what Zelensky was talking about today was reminding Americans what it feels like to be under attack, reminding them what it felt like the morning of after 9-11 uh, or the morning uh, of Pearl Harbor. And that is the way it feels like uh, in, in this city right now, with people hiding in their homes, sleeping in the subway stations. And, and in many ways, this speech harkens back to Winston Churchill uh, when he talked about uh, history at a crossroads, that uh, this is not just a fight for Ukraine, uh, that, that Zelensky, and we're hearing this all from many people in this country, it is a fight between tyranny and democracy. If, if the Ukrainians lose this war, they don't just lose this country. They keep warning that Russia will continue to expand, that the cause of democracy and freedom around the world will be set back. So Zelensky today was remember what it means to be the leader of the free world and remember Americans what it means to be afraid and under attack. Richard, let me ask you, we heard President Zelensky note that he was speaking from Kyiv. We've seen your video, certainly, of the, the attacks, the missile attacks in and around the capital. Is he still in the seat of government? Uh, is, is his government physical uh, well-being in danger? Uh, it does not seem to be. And uh, Zelensky, in a, in a show of extraordinary confidence, uh, was receiving the prime ministers of three NATO countries just overnight. And they came here to Kyiv in another throwback to, to a bygone era of World War II. They, they came overland. They came by train into this city and were meeting with uh, Zelensky. Not many details uh, were released of where exactly they were meeting uh, because Zelensky's movements are being kept very quiet for now. Uh, but this government is still intact. It is still communicating with the people on a, on a, day to, a daily basis. Uh, and it is still running this country and the armed forces uh, three weeks into this. But uh, just because the Ukrainians are still on their feet, still standing long before, long after people expected that they would have collapsed, does not mean this war is over, which is why I think Zelensky is making these rounds, talking to the Europeans, talking to the Americans, saying they need help because everything is at stake for, for, for Ukrainians and for democracy. Yeah. Richard Engel in Kiev. Thank you. Clint Watts is a national security analyst for NBC News. He's got a further look at the situation on the ground in Kiev and southern Ukraine. What does the battlefield look like, Clint? Lester, it's really unfolded as we end week three into three fronts. I think the first thing to look at is here in the north. This is Kiev. As Richard was talking about, you have Russian forces advancing, but very slowly out around the west. I think they're trying to establish blocking positions to cut off that resupply that we, we've been hearing so much about. Separately, they had two armor convoys that tried to advance. Ukrainian military doing remarkably well. But over time, their goal will essentially be to encircle Kyiv and really cut it off with siege warfare, which is what we're seeing in other theaters. I think when you look to the east, that's really the key battles to watch. The Russians, they've advanced repeatedly and gone around several population centers. Kharkiv is one of the most intense uh, battlefields in and around that city, and these cities are under siege. So you've got populations trapped in there, not really able to leave anymore, dire humanitarian situation, but also the Ukrainian military doing successful counteroffensive operations. This speaks to the larger part, which is what you see in the south. And ultimately, I think this is what Russia is going for long term. They've been able to advance. This is Mariupol. This is the city that's surrounded uh, that Richard was talking about. Terrible situation here. But the Ukrainians still holding out and fighting. They're trying to link up with Donbass. Separately, they've advanced out here to Kherson and Mykolaiv. 
Ukrainian military again putting up an intense fight, but you're starting to see resupply come in from the south here in the Sea of Azov, which the Russians now fully control. And there are reports this morning of an, a Russian Navy group that's out here that could be coming in by land towards Odessa. The two things to watch really in the southern front that are going to be key is one, the fight here for Odessa and when it happens, and two, this advance north. If the Russians can advance to Dnipro and advance south from Sumy here, they would have cut off eastern Ukraine. So far, though, Ukrainian military highly successful and Russian logistics still struggling. You're also seeing mayors in certain towns down here essentially being removed and replaced with Russian proxies. So very dangerous situation here, but the Ukrainian military really putting up a fight. Yeah, very dynamic. Clint, thanks for walking us through that. NBC News correspondent Kelly Kobieja joins us now from Poland, where so many refugees are ending up. She's a little over 50 miles from the border with Ukraine. Any let up in the flow of people there, Kelly? Well, there hasn't been really, Lester. We saw about 66,000 come across the border into Poland yesterday. We're consistently seeing tens of thousands coming here every day. Primarily, over 95% of them are women and children, and each one of them has a story, like a 20-year-old named Paulina who came from Kiev. She said that she and her younger sisters and her mom wanted to stay. They were determined to stay. But over the weekend, the bombs came closer to their village. Their house was shaking. And their dad, her dad said, you've got to go. You've got to get to Poland or somewhere, just somewhere other than here. She told us at the beginning she thought the war would last maybe a week. But now she's realized it could be a long war. And as this continues, as the fighting continues and more people uh, come into places like Poland, Hungary, Moldova and Romania, all those bordering countries, those countries are coming under increasing pressure to provide services for people. The volunteer effort has been tremendous in all of these countries, along with the humanitarian and governmental efforts. But you are seeing resources stretched thin in places like Poland, people looking for a safe haven in other European countries. And Lester, over the longer term, if this does stretch into months, the estimates put the numbers in supporting the cost of supporting this vast number of refugees over the course of a year at $30 billion. Hundreds of millions in humanitarian aid has already been promised, uh, but we're looking at a much larger number to support these people over the long term. Lester. Kelly Kobiea in Poland for us. Thank you. That concludes our coverage for now. We'll be back here at just about 11.45 a.m. Eastern when we expect President Biden to comment on President Zelensky's remarks to Congress. For now, I'm Lester Holt, NBC News, New York. We'll see you in a little while. This is an ABC News special report. Now reporting, David Muir. Good afternoon. We're coming back on the air because President Biden is about to address the nation responding to Ukrainian President Zelensky's powerful address today to the U.S. Congress. That was just a short time ago. President Biden is expected to announce new help for Ukraine now, some $800 million in new military aid to Ukraine, including anti-tank and anti-air weapons. The U.S. is said to be considering sending armed drones as well. President Zelensky uh, calling again for a no-fly zone over his country, something the White House has already ruled out because they say the danger of any direct engagement, of course, with Russia. And in a moving moment before Congress today, Zelensky pleading his case by playing a video of life in his country uh, before and after Russia's invasion. Uh, the beauty of his people and his country juxtaposed with the horrific images of uh, men, women, children killed, the buildings before, the destroyed scenes after. The video then ending with a message to close the sky over Ukraine. Knowing his American audience today, Zelensky invoking memories of Pearl Harbor and 9-11. Let's listen to the president. Good afternoon. I want to begin by thanking President Zelensky for his passionate message this morning. I listened to it in the private residence, and uh, he was convincing and significant speech. He speaks for a people who have shown remarkable courage and strength in the face of brutal aggression. Courage and strength that's inspired not only Ukrainians, but the entire world. Putin is inflicting appalling, appalling devastation and horror on Ukraine, bombing apartment buildings, maternity wards, hospitals, 
I mean, it's, it's god-awful. I was speaking about this with the, our, 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 our commander behind me here, General Milley. I mean, it just is amazing. Yesterday, we saw reports that Russian forces were holding hundreds of doctors and patients hostage in the largest hospital in Mariupol. These are atrocities. They're an outrage to the world. And the world is united in our support for Ukraine and our determination to make Putin pay a very heavy price. America is leading this effort, together with our allies and partners, providing enormous levels of security and humanitarian assistance that we're adding to today, and we're going to continue to do more in the days and weeks ahead. We're crippling Putin's economy with punishing sanctions. That's going to only grow more painful over time with the entire NATO and EU behind us and many other countries. What's at stake here are the principles that the United States and the United Nations across the world stand for. It's about freedom. It's about the right of people to determine their own future. It's about making sure Ukraine never will never be a victory for Putin, no matter what advances he makes on the battlefield. The American people are answering President Zelensky's call for more help, more weapons for Ukraine to defend itself, more tools to fight Russian aggression. And that's what we're doing. In fact, we started our assistance to Ukraine before this war began, as they started to do exercises along the Ukrainian border, the Russians, starting in March of last year. We took the threat of Putin invading very seriously, and we acted on it. We sent Ukraine more security assistance last year, $650 million in weapons, including anti-air and anti-armor equipment, before the invasion. More than we had ever provided before. So when the invasion began, they already had in their hands the kinds of weapons they needed to counter Russian advances. And once the war started, we immediately rushed $350 million in additional aid to further address their needs. Hundreds of anti-air systems, thousands of anti-tank weapons, transport helicopters, armed patrol boats, and other high-mobility vehicles, radar systems that help track incoming artillery and unmanned drones, secure communications equipment and tactical gear, satellite imagery and, 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 and analysis capacity. And it's clearly helped Ukraine inflict dramatic losses on Russian forces. On Saturday, my administration authorized another $200 million to keep a steady flow of weapons and ammunition moving to Ukraine. Now I'm once again using my presidential authority to activate, uh, to activate an additional security assistance to continue to help Ukraine fend off Russia's assault. An additional $800 million in assistance. That brings the total of new U.S. security assistance to Ukraine to $1 billion just this week. These are the large, these are direct transfers of equipment from our Department of Defense to the Ukrainian military to help them as they fight against this invasion. And I thank the Congress for appropriating these funds. This new package on its own is going to provide unprecedented assistance to Ukraine. It includes 800 anti-aircraft systems to make sure the Ukrainian military can continue to, can continue to stop the planes and helicopters that have been attacking their people and to defend their Ukrainian airspace. And at the request of President Zelensky, we have identified and are helping Ukraine acquire additional longer-range anti-aircraft systems and the munitions for those systems. Our new assistance package also includes 9,000 anti-armor systems. These are portable, high-accuracy, high accurate, high high shoulder-mounted missiles that Ukrainian forces have been using with great effect to destroy invading tanks and armored vehicles. It'll include 7,000 small arms, machine guns, shotguns, grenade launchers to equip the Ukrainians, including the brave women and men who are defending their cities as civilians and they're on the countryside as well. And, we're, and, we, and as well as the ammunition, artillery and mortar rounds to go with small arms, 20 million rounds in total, 20 million rounds. And this will include drones, which, which uh, demonstrates our commitment to sending our most cutting-edge systems to Ukraine for its defense. And we're not doing this alone. Our allies and partners have stepped up to provide significant shipments of security assistance and will continue to help facilitate these deliveries as well. The United States and our allies and partners are fully committed to surging weapons of assistance to the Ukrainians. And more will be coming 
as we source additional stocks of equipment that are all that we're ready to transfer. Now, now I want to be honest with you. This could be a long and difficult battle, but the American people will be steadfast in our support of the people of Ukraine in the face of Putin's immoral, unethical attacks on civilian populations. We are united in our abhorrence of Putin's depraved onslaught, and we're going to continue to have their backs as they fight for their freedom, their democracy, their very survival. We're going to give Ukraine the arms to fight and defend themselves through all the difficult days ahead. We're going to continue to mobilize humanitarian relief to support people within Ukraine and those who have been forced to flee Ukraine. In just the past few weeks, we provided $300 million of humanitarian assistance to the people in Ukraine and in neighboring countries. Tens of thousands of tons of food, water, medicine, and other basic supplies to support the people in need. Our experts on the ground in Poland and Moldova and other neighboring countries are there to make real-time assessments of the rapidly evolving crisis to get urgently needed humanitarian supplies to the people in need when they need it. And we will support Ukraine's economy with direct financial assistance as well. And together with our allies and partners, we will keep up the pressure on Putin's crumbling economy, isolating him on the global stage. That's our goal. Make Putin pay the price, weaken his position, while strengthening the hand of the Ukrainians on the battlefield and at the negotiating table. Together with our allies and partners, we're going to stay the course, and we'll do everything we can to push for and end this tragic, unnecessary war. This is a struggle that pits the appetites of an autocrat against humankind's desire to be free. And let there be no doubt, no uncertainty, no question, America stands with the forces of freedom. We always have and we always will. I want to thank you all and God bless you. And I'm going to walk over and sign this legislation, sign this bill to allow the drawdown of those materials. And may God protect their young Ukrainians who are out there defending their country. President Biden at the White House announcing additional military help for Ukraine. Just a short time after Ukraine's President Zelensky addressed the U.S. Congress, the American people, uh, pleading for more help, pleading for a no-fly zone. Uh, the White House... What I'm signing here... Let's listen to the president here. ...is the delegation of authority under Section 506A1 of the Foreign Assistance Act of 1961, translated into plain English, a uh, total of $800, $800 million in defense arts. The president talking about $800 million in aid to Ukraine, military aid, saying a billion dollars in just the last week. Again, I mentioned the no-fly zone there a moment ago. The White House uh, saying no to that, along with NATO allies, saying it would bring us closer to possible conflict with Russia. Let's I'm listen. I'm not going to comment on that right now. I'm not going to comment on any other than what I've told you. Thank you. Correspondence in the room trying, but the president not taking questions today. He talked about anti-aircraft systems, anti-tank systems uh, being sent, anti-armor. Uh, in addition, uh, drones as well. This was all reporting that Cecilia Vega had provided us with earlier today. Let's go right to our chief White House correspondent because, Cecilia, uh, the president talked about listening to this in the private residence. That's not something you often hear uh, from a president on any issue, uh, saying that this was a, a moving message from President Zelensky. Uh, and he thank the Congress for supporting him in this effort to get more military aid to Ukraine right away. And David, I think this uh, very much was a response to those pleas, if you will, that President Zelensky uh, delivered here to Washington just a couple of hours ago. This was also a message from President Biden to the American people and to, frankly, anyone in the world who sees these horrific images that are playing out in front of us in Ukraine right now and wondering where is America in all of this? If America is not sending in troops, if America is not going to release those MiGs that Poland and, and Ukraine had wanted released, uh, what is America doing? So this is the president laying out exactly what the United States has been doing as it relates to humanitarian and military aid to Ukraine. And you said at the big top line number there, a billion dollars in aid just this week alone, some 650 million in weapons the last year before the invasion. You heard President Zelensky make a direct appeal to the United States for more of those anti-tank, more of those aircraft surface-to-air missiles. President Biden saying that they in fact have delivered those and they 
will continue to deliver more 600 stingers uh 2600 javelin that's those are those anti-tank uh missiles that the that the united states didn't want to give to ukraine initially you see those numbers there david uh but in the in the wake of this conflict they had given them the concern early on was that giving weapons like this to ukraine would signify a potential escalation to russia so the united states had hesitated to do that um david you know this there have been increasing uh there has been increasing criticism here in washington particularly from republicans who have pushed this president to do more to act faster to act stronger particularly when it comes to sending weapons to ukraine uh mitch mcconnell saying uh, just uh, the last few hours yesterday basically that the united states this white house has been too slow to respond so i think this is president biden doing a little bit of politics here saying we have been able we have been helping the american people he said directly david are answering ukraine's calls and he lays out that list of weapons that have been sent in the last year yes yeah, cecilia vega at the white house cecilia thank you and as cecilia mentioned there not only additional aid and uh, military help to ukraine but a messaging uh, effort by the white house to remind not only this country but the world what the u.s has done so far and we should point out that ukraine's president zelensky in his appeal to the congress and to the american people also thanked president biden for the help so far from the u.s uh, and from the west i want to bring in martha raditz who is live inside ukraine she's in lviv for us again and, and martha you and i've been talking about this uh, for quite some time now this concern uh, now that we have signposted for the world the u.s the additional military equipment the uh, help that's now on the way how you then get that to the Ukrainian people without becoming uh, potential targets for the Russians. And you are a potential target. They've been very successful in getting the equipment into the country and to the front lines, but the Russians are watching this carefully. And the U.S. fears that the Russians will strike one of these convoys inside Ukraine and possibly in Poland. So that is a real danger and something they think about. Uh, as for that no-fly zone, of course, President Biden is not going to provide a no-fly zone, but a no-fly zone would not stop the war. In, in fact, the, the strike in western Ukraine, about an hour from where I am, right now was launched out of Russia. A no-fly zone would not stop that. They launched 30 cruise missiles from aircraft and hit a military training facility in western Ukraine. It would not stop that. These weapons that the U.S. is sending in, they believe will truly help Ukraine in this fight. David. Martha Raditzer, thanks to you in that attack that Martha speaks of just about uh, 10 miles from the Poland border right there on NATO's doorstep. I want to bring in Rachel Scott, who's live up on the Hill, for one last question on this before we go. And Rachel, you heard Cecilia point out uh, that there have been Republicans on the Hill pushing the president to do more. Uh, what they are in concert on, though, is the no to the no-fly zone. This has become a somewhat of a political debate how quickly the help can, can get to Ukraine and how much more uh, the president should be uh, giving at this moment. It would appear the White House wanna make, wanted to make it very clear this afternoon that we are uh, stepping forward and quickly here. Yes, David, but there is a growing urgency here on Capitol Hill for the U.S. and for Congress, frankly, to do even more. We're seeing bipartisan calls for tougher sanctions to deliver more lethal aid. But again, that no-fly zone, something that President Zelensky really emphasized in his address to Congress today, that is just a line that Congress is not willing to cross. Both Democrats and Republicans agree on that. Now, in just over an hour here, we will see House and Senate leadership receive a classified briefing on the situation. I'm told they plan to use that as a roadmap to help guide them on how to better address some of the requests that they're getting from President Zelensky. David? Rachel Scott live on the Hill, and you're looking at images there just a moment ago of the standing ovation from U.S. lawmakers uh, up on the Hill today when President Zelensky was finished with his address, uh, not only to Congress, but of course to the American people, thanking uh, the West, President Biden, for help with them pleading for more as they continue to try to fend off Russian troops. Our coverage will continue on ABC News Live, abcnews.com, and I'll be back with the entire team you just saw here for World News Tonight later today. I'm David Muir in New York. We'll see you then. Good day. This is News Source 1 Michiana, Elkhart South Bend.